Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Millennial Teacher Podcast. And again, we are talking all things education. And I have today back with me, my good friend, Miss Asia Johnson. Asia works with all things education. And we started in the trenches together with our <laughs> teacher residency program. And here we are. How long has it been? Almost 10 years. It's almost, been almost 10 years. That's wild. Almost 10 wow. years in education, whether it's inside, outside the classroom, higher ed, we both are still in the thick of it. So welcome back, Asia. If you could just introduce yourself, a little bit about your background, and we'll just start. Yes, well, it's always good to see you, Shakira, and it's always good to be on your podcast. Thank you for having me back. So my name is Asia Johnson. I am a senior program manager for executive leadership with the United Negro College Fund, or UNCF as we call it these days. And basically what I do is I work with HBC presidents and leaders at um, our black colleges to help tap them in with resources, help them with their um, leadership and basically help bring the vision of the institutions to life. Nice, so I love that, especially the HBCU love. So, you know, we we both stand for that. But yes. <laughs> if we can rewind Asia, I guess it's just like can be an education dump since, you know, like we said, it's almost been 10 years and so much has happened in education. We went through a lot. So for those um, who, again, are just joining, like tell us about like your first year teaching and the ups, the downs and... <laughs> And I'll jump into and um, I've decided to leave and still stay, but just looks different. Yeah. So I, my my journey to teaching, but also to education has been different. I went to college and was a journalism major, graduated, worked um, as a news producer and a graphics producer, and just didn't really find joy or value in that. And I felt like instead of supporting our communities, the media spaces I was working in were actually taking from them. So I switched to education because I'm all about storytelling and I believe education is one of the biggest storytellers. So went back, I went to Howard undergrad, went back to Howard for grad school and got my master's in education policy. Um, also, while I was doing that, before I was doing that, 10 years, it's so many, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot that goes in 10 years. Before that, um, like I said, I was working in journalism, left the journalism space and took the teacher out and was in the KIPP Capital Teaching Residency Program where I met Shakira. Um, and we taught at a school in Anacostia, Southeast, our first year. Oh. And that was such an eye-opening experience. The program was very eye-opening. Um, the, the Our cohort mates were very eye-opening, just like the community was so eye-opening. So um, after that, taught for two more years, but I taught in Northeast. Um, at a school in Benning Road. And it was again, another eye-opening experience, but it made me realize that not every, not everyone could be a teacher. And not that I couldn't be a teacher. Mm -hmm. I just knew that for what I wanted for future generations, my fight was more so out of the classroom, but still in regards to education. So I went, got my master's in education policy. I started doing like educational equity work with the National School Board Association. Um, moved to LA, went and did some um, policy work out there with their education system. And then that's how I made my way to Atlanta, where I currently am working with UNCF and supporting our HBCUs so we can help with that pipeline from preschool through um, their college careers, if they so choose to go to college. Yes, nice. And so like, 
what you said, eye-opening to say the least. And, mm -hmm. you know, our residency program was tough. Like before we even got into the classroom, we would yeah. teach them to the wall. But as soon as those kids came in, it was go time. Mm -hmm. And to be honest with you, from first year to now, a lot has not changed as far as like teachers still in the thick of it, not getting support. But um, I feel like it comes in waves, like the support is there, but then it dies down. And then like when COVID came, like we got our shine and we got our help, but then it's dying down again. So I think there's a there's some been some pros, some cons, some in-between since our first year to now. But like you said, there, that being a teacher is a piece of work. And I always laugh and say, only the strong survive. <laughs> no, truly. And I, to your point about the residency program, like, I think people sometimes get this, like, idea that teaching is just, you go in a classroom, you open a book, you mm -hmm. say what's in the book, and that's it. But there's actually, a teaching reminds me of, like, being an athlete, but there's, like, a lot of prep and practice into, like, the game versus, like, mm -hmm. like going into the classroom. Like, so with the residency program, for those who don't know, who maybe haven't done like a teaching residency or maybe like a TFA, you use the summer leading up to the school year to really kind of like cram and prep. And it's almost like boot camp, like an education sure. boot camp, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, it's not glitzy and glamorous. It's not like, oh, you know, I was done by two and then went to happy hour. Like, no, it was like, you need to lesson plan. You need to learn how to redirect behaviors. You need to learn how to, well, like you have to also learn, okay, this is how you fill out you know, an IEP, this is what would happen if you need to call a social worker, like all these things. And so I think by the time we got to the first day of school, it was like, huh. yeah, <laughs> okay. but before that, it's like, we, got, we didn't even know the community. No, we didn't even know the community. And so, so on top of that, it's like, okay, we didn't know the community. So then when the first day of school happens, these young kids are just like, showing up and saying they're my child's teacher like what do you mean I don't even know you like you're not from this area I've never seen you like what so there's also a layer of like relationship building and trust that has to go on and teaching I'd say like the two hardest jobs like mentally and physically the three mentally and physically hardest jobs are one being a mom two being a teacher and three being a firefighter because I just feel like you always are on go all the time and the strong really do survive I mean you see those teachers who have been teaching for 20 something years it's like how 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 but it, it really does take a special kind of person to work in a classroom mm -hmm. and I then that's why I was like so thankful that I was thank God was able to be given this space because a lot of people really don't know and it's not talked about. And so um, it, I was like, we need to be highlighted. And there's just so many of us and just putting in good work. And sadly, a lot of us are leaving. And so like we joke and say how, but for the future of our kids, it really is kind of scary because mm -hmm. the people who are passionate about it and, you know, in the thick of it, they've had enough. And millennials, for sure, we will quit a job. Okay. And it's it's really sad and it's it's unfair, but then it's like, what do you do? Like, how do we fix it? Like a, a lot of the times it's like, oh, the education gap, but what about the teacher shortage? Like, what, what are we doing with that? Yeah. And to that point, like one holds hands with the other, the education gap, 
continues to widen because the teacher shortage continues to happen. Mm -hmm. And I can say working in the higher ed space and even just like throughout my career, this like people doesn't want to work in education anymore. Like people that are, are are higher education institutions are leaving. Unfortunately, some of them are even like hurting themselves. Like it's just like no one wants to work in education anymore because for it to like we need education. It's like we need water. Like we need education. You have to have education. Yeah. And no, you don't have to have a doctorate, but you do have to have some like baseline education understanding. Yeah. But people are leaving the education industry left and right. And whether it's I didn't you know, know about higher ed. Yeah, a lot of people are leaving. Like a we've seen like a lot of um some are being forced out, but we've seen like a lot of like um leadership leaving. We there are a lot of like professors who would have been up for tenure who are just like I can't do this anymore we're seeing like a lot of a, there's just like a, a lack of interest in continuing to work in education at the higher ed area and also the um you know the elementary and middle school area I will say the one area that I think is stable-ish is high school but now that I say that, I have friends who work in high schools and they're like, this is my last year. I can't take it anymore. Like, mm-hmm. and the whole thing is like, this is just different. It's just different than what I signed up with, oh signed up for. Gosh. I was just like, I kind of said this on the last episode, like, wh- okay, we could talk about it, but like the action step is like, we are trying to do action steps. So it's like, what is happening? And I know that like, you are an avid reader. And so like you, um, you see the headlines, you read the articles and like you read diversity, equity, justice books, and all of that is still getting put out there, but still it's, I kind of feel like we're in a merry-go-round and mm-hmm. nobody's getting off. <laughs> and so at it's all. Like, at all. And it's so sad. And, you know, we can laugh about it to make light of it because, you know, in actuality, it's not funny. Like it is very serious. And I recently saw a clip, um, of Michelle Obama saying that education like keeps her up at night, like the lack of interest. This wasn't her words verbatim, but like just education period keeps her up at night amongst other things. And when she said that, I was like, yeah, it goes from the students, the teachers, the parents, administration, the community, and even society. Like as far as teaching began, we were always viewed as kind of like a pity job. If we're going to be honest, like you're a teacher, good for you. Pat on the back, get a star. And it still hasn't gotten better. So um, I know that you work in higher ed and like I said, you're an avid reader. What have you seen the most popular like in headlines about education and what is your take on it? Do you see it getting better? Do you see it again as the merry-go-round like we said, like an all truth? So I think the biggest thing I've seen in the headlines and this is what everybody is seeing as well is, you know, I think about the state of Florida. And how they've basically just like banned every single book. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Known to man. So um, book banning is a really popular thing that's happening in the education space. And I just want to say, as Shakira said, I'm an avid reader. Like, as an avid reader, like, please, please, please do not ban books in your classroom. Unless they are spewing hate and racism and xenophobia and fat phobia and homophobia, like do not ban books in your classroom because you are 
one, you're taking away an opportunity for a student to expand their knowledge. And who, who wouldn't want to expand their knowledge? But two, you're cutting off access to books bring us into the world. And when you ban a book or you ban a child from engaging in a book, you're cutting off their access to the world or their access to like critical thinking or using their imagination or, you know, turning their listening ears on, <laughs> things like that. Uh, another thing that I have noticed that I was actually really, really shocked about is I felt like in 2020, there was this turning point where I just knew everything was going to get better. I'm like, yes, okay, we're holding people accountable. You know, things are going to get better, you know, and I had a have a cousin who at the time she was an eighth grade teacher in Los Angeles. And I watched her do like a, a Zoom lesson or whatever. And I was just so shocked that here it was, we were a year into the pandemic, a year into a remote life, essentially. And her school district hadn't really given her the tools that she needed to support her students. And on the flip, didn't give the students the support they needed to be able to engage <laughs> with their education. Yeah. Um, so something that I'm still seeing that I'm still like, you know, screaming about is that here we are in 2024, teachers are still not being supported no. like and seeing how you all operated through I, like shout out to you Shakira like I remember you telling me the stories like we're out of stories <laughs> oh my gosh like and so that's just something that I'm also seeing still a thing is like teachers still not being supported and um not getting the not only respect they deserve but the resources they deserve the yeah. funding they deserve the pay they deserve yeah, it's sad. And it's, it's it's sad. And too, like to, to back up what you said about banning books is like, if we're erasing history, what are we doing? What are we doing? And then that goes back to the point where like people always say systemic because a lot of high, people who make policies and who are leaders, y'all just want these children to get a grade and a score. And we're not building character. I'm even thinking on the early childhood level, you're not building character. If you're banning books, you're not even, you're erasing history. So what are we doing as an education system? And truthfully, we don't even have resources for people who are underserved. We're not giving them anything. Yeah, we have like small resources as in food or maybe like monetary donations, but what else? In my brain, a school is a community center. So it's not, it's not that anymore. And it's, it's very disheartening. And it's heavy too. And sadly, a lot of people are leaving and not looking back. Like you said, like not even looking at education. I know teachers who are now realtors and their own business owners, which is fine. And and honestly, too, they found more fulfillment because the weight of a teacher is heavy, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's it's just kind of sad, but I think that it takes spaces like this and books and um, work that you're doing to help keep it alive for the people who do love it, the students who do want to learn. And um, you just, ed education community spaces, like we are all that they have left. <laughs> and so. No, truly. And when you say that you see like school as a community space and community center, essentially, I was reading this book a while ago about, well, it was about a library in LA that set on fire and it was like billions of dollars of damage. But 
the story was essentially about library and library systems and um, how like schools, people think of them as, like they just don't even like care about them anymore. They don't even like give them resources. But I was like, what if there was a world where a teacher and a librarian from like a local library could come together and have this sort of like tunnel relationship where it's like, okay, I'm teaching you this in the classroom. And then you go to the library and you go to this librarian and you like further that lesson outside of school. And I think when I was growing up, that was something that my school that I went to and like our local library did very well, like continuing the lessons outside the classroom because it helps apply to real life. Mm -hmm. And so when you ban a book or when you don't give access to resources for school or when you don't support teachers, you're not giving students that the ability to apply what they're learning in the classroom to what they can do with it in real life. Like critical thinking, you're not allowing them to do that because you're just, to your point, teaching to the test or wanting to just get the score or just wanting to make sure that your district has the highest scores, your classroom has the highest scores. When it's like, okay, but now we're in the real world and they don't know what shape the stop sign is or what, or, or like- what... Or not even how to regulate emotions. Mm -hmm. And that goes down to like the preschool to prison pipeline. Like if your child is three years old and they are a quote unquote, like the, the paper says, a threat to themselves or others, they're already flagged before they hit middle school. Yeah. Yeah. I it just it's just so deep in so many layers. And it's just sad that people don't care. People truly don't care. People truly, truly, truly don't care. Not all. Not all. Yeah, not all. Not all, but... But most. And if we're going to be real, if it ain't sex, money, or drugs, or entertainment, or if it's not education that's bad, quote-unquote bad, or like we've seen the headlines, it's not talked about. So talked about, yeah. there's that. But on a brighter note, there's, there's still good people doing the work. So yeah. to end it... And all honestly, do you think it's going to get better? Like your personal opinion, do you see it getting better or do you think it's just going to be like a seesaw always rocking back and forth? Um, so I candidly, oh, it's <laughs> and it's a real question. It's a real question. And, and it, just to be, you know, honest with you and your listeners, I've definitely gone back and forth and been like, you know what, maybe like education just isn't the space for me. Like this is hard and I'm not in the classroom. Like I'm not in the classroom. I'm sitting like on the outskirts as a fan in the stand. And I'm like, this is, this is hard. And it's definitely made me go back and forth and be like, what, what does the way forward look like? Um, so on one hand, I'm like, it's going to get better because, you know, people like you and I and our peers are in it and we're, you know, we're fighting the good fight. Then I'm also like, but it really should never only fall upon the, the, the backs of a few to do the work of many. So to that point, there's only so much you can do. We can, we can do because we are not the ones in the room where it happens, writing the policies, signing yeah. off on the legislation. Like there's only so much advocating and organizing and campaigning we can do before it's like, well, I've, I've done my part. And so I think that's where I can see 
a good portion of education advocates at right now. Like I've done my part. There's only so much screaming I can do and pushing back I can do before the powers that be have to do the rest. So I think for right now, today, at this current date and time, I would say it's going to get better. Hmm. Okay. And I, I feel really optimistic about 2024. It's an election year. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is going to be going to be really interesting to, and just a PSA, if there is a town hall that's happened, a presidential town hall or a presidential debate that's happening in your area and you are able to get access to or you're able to submit questions as a teacher, as an educator, as a principal, as a st- like, please do, because I think a lot of the time um, presidential candidates don't really hear the questions that need to be heard. And it's always about you know, other things like the price of gas, the price of groceries, like inflation, which are important, but education is also equally important. So that's my spiel. If you're able to go to one of those this year, go. But um, I will say because it is an election year, um, I have hope that there will be some changes. Um, But we'll also, we have a long way between now and November. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes, for sure. And then you got to wait for it all to turn over. But like you said, it's hope and it's faith. And so we're, we're just going to have to see. And that speaks to me, too, because I always say closed mouths don't get fed. And I'm always ranting about how these policymakers don't sit in the same seat as educators. But when the opportunity presents itself, I myself and my colleagues need to be there to fight the good fight. Um, and nine times out of 10, somebody is waiting for you to ask the question or bring up the the issue that's in your brain. So say it. And yeah. Um, to that, yeah, I was gonna say to that point, I had a fellowship one summer and I was working at a school district in Dallas and um, I went to a school board meeting and I was actually really shocked to see that the school board meeting was a healthy mix of like community members who didn't have students in the school system and like staffers and teachers from the school system. And so I will say, um, even if you work at like a private school or a charter school, if you're able to go to any of the um, school board meetings in your district or even like the council meetings or the like advisory meetings in your district or any area that you live in, go because it'll help you be a better advocate for your students. Um, there was one, I remember there was one teacher in the room who she worked at like a religious private school in the area. And she obviously had, with private schools, they have their own kind of system mm-hmm. and structure. But she was saying it helped her, hearing what was going on, helped her be a better um, advocate for her peers who worked in the public setting, but mm-hmm. also helped her able better better able to support the students in the private school who weren't the traditional private school student. Right. So that's another way that you could help get your voice out and be heard and just make yourself a better informed um, educator, but also education advocate. Yes, I love that. And um, to a lot of, I've noticed that to your point, a lot of people don't even know what happens in charter schools as well. So, and we're all yeah. in community. And I feel like a lot of the times teachers have this battle with one another for the highest test scores or this, that, and the third, or my class is this, mm-hmm. my class is that. And if we are fighting for education, it's not, it is, it's just not your homeroom. It is every single school across this nation. And we are fighting the good fight for all of our children, not just exactly. the class. I don't, exactly. You, I don't care about your bulletin board. It's nice and everything, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, share your resources, share your thoughts. Oh, share your share the res- yes. Oh my gosh. Like we, 
we do not, we're not fighting each other. Surprisingly, surprise, surprise, we're not fighting each other. I don't care that you got the pizza party last year because all your students had like the highest reading score. Okay. Like, but to your point about the public, like people not understanding like um, what charter schools are, I think there's this misconception that charter schools are like an extension of the prison system and they're so strict and they're this and they're that and they come into the neighborhood and they, you know, and there are two things we chew at once, right? Like you do have some charter schools who are like that. Like, I mean, just Google. Yeah. <laughs> but then you that. also, exactly. But then you also have charter schools who are actually in the community doing the work. Like I can say that the charter school that you and I started out with our teaching residency was actually in the community doing the work and had a pretty good standing with the community. So if you have, if you are listening to this and you are a charter school teacher and you want to know more about the public school side of things, you know, reach out to your peers. And if you're a public school teacher listening to this and you want to know more about like charter systems, reach out to your friends who work in the charter system. And instead of, you know, talking about who got the best this, who has the, the enough, like, help each other because we can both learn from each other literally and I will say one thing that I am grateful for uh, my team is just like all in for our grade level and now just thinking of like you just saying that and me saying it out loud like okay now how what about the school next door to me like what do they need what does their kindergarten need or you know just education period so I'm glad you mentioned that but you have a book club that yes. everyone needs to know about. So can you please tell us, <laughs> one, what are um, some education books that you recommend for us who either want to know about whether it's DEI or whether it's justice, whatever in education, can you give us um, your top three right now? And um, for fun too, uh, how can we um, join your book club? Yes. Okay. So the book club is called Asia's Book Club. ABC. Um, thank you to Shakira for allowing the space for me to lift it up. And as, as soon as you ask that in my brain, I'm like, my brain is like one long like Rolodex of books. So I can say um, books I think that educators should read. And I'm going to go to my phone for a second if that's okay. Go ahead. I have a list. No, y'all, she is, an, like I said, an avid reader and fighting for the good fight, whether it's education, um, you want a good laugh, you want romance, you want comedy. She is your girl. And I know a lot of people who listen to podcasts are big readers as well. So this will be very, very, very beneficial to you. Oh, that's good. Well, please follow me on Instagram, join my book club, the more the merrier. <laughs> and I'll be sure to tag her and all of her greatness. So the biggest, the, the, the number one book that's popping up into my brain as my phone loads is this book called Yardstick. And I wish I, um, all my books are packed up in a box right now, so I can't like bring it to the camera, but it's called Yardstick. And it is a book that I would even say, if you are a, uh, a new parent, I would recommend that for them as well, because the book tracks, um, these are some like developmental milestones that you could you should recognize in your, in a student or a child in between. I think it's like the, between the ages of like pre-K and maybe yes. teen years. Mm -hmm. um, yes. And so it's really interesting because um, especially if you're a teacher and you're like, okay, I'm teaching kindergarten and that's what ages five and six. So 
what should a what developmentally should a student or a child be going through at this time? And it tells you like these are behaviors that that the system is going to tell you like, oh, this is like a quote unquote understand uh-huh. this term bad student or like oh this is like they are acting out but it's like oh no actually they're going through a growth spurt so that's why they're banging their feet on the floor because their feet hurt <laughs> they yeah. need new shoes yeah so yardsticks um is definitely a book there's another book and oh it's it's um it basically talks about like how math and i when I find remember the name, I will send it to Shakira. She could put it in like the yes, show notes. I will. I but, will. <laughs> but it basically talks about how um, the way that America does math was actually not set up to support Black and Brown students. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really fascinating. As soon as I remember the name, I will send it to you. But it it's a quick read, and um, I would say if you are a math teacher or if you are like a teacher who does all the subjects, including math, read this book. So that is another one. And then another one that I think teachers should read is a book called Rest is Resistance. Um, And it's a new book, it came out in 2021 and it basically is about how we have to rest. We cannot be grinding, you know, booked and busy all the time, doing lesson plans, trying to put a kid down for a nap, also got to eat my lunch, also got to call this parent back. Also, oh, now I'm getting observed after lunch. What's going on? So rest is resistance. And it basically, it doesn't, I mean, the book does say take a nap, you're tired, but it also says like, hey, to push back against the system, to actually create environments that our babies can learn in, we need to just have rest and be calm and be chill. So that's another one. Um, For fun though, I would say... Anything by Jasmine Guillory, if you are into like cute little romance, rom-coms, those are fun. Um, And I recently read this book called Open Water, which is a really beautiful book about, um, it's a Black love story set in Britain. And it's very relatable because it kind of talks about the dynamics between millennial men and women and how we express ourselves or how we don't express ourselves. So those are some books. Yes. And Shakira, what I will do is I'll take a picture with some books or of some books yes. and you can like put them. Yeah. Yes, so, we'll but. do that. And I love that. Oh my gosh, this is so many, so many good resources. And before we go, for everybody listening, this was just an educational dump because, like I said, we are about to hit 10 years in education. So it was only Ooh. right that we <laughs> we it was only right that we backtracked and um mm-hmm. talked about all things education, like the mission of the podcast. And so this was not to bash education, not feel defeated. It, but it just it's truth and it's what it is and um this is the right now but like you said it can and will get better um god willing so fight the good fight Amen. fight the good fight loving your babies loving yourself um and everything will be okay and this has been all things education thank you asia of course thank you and thank you guys for listening